Well, let me say again, <laughs> I'm James Sutton. I'm the associate pastor. Welcome to Christ the King. It's a joy to uh, gather together and worship. Um, I want to send a special welcome to those of you who are college students who are here. Um, I understand you guys moved in recently, and so um, I met one college student who's, who's here from Kenya. So uh, special welcome. You win the prize, sir for the longest uh, trip, but um, we do want to invite you back next Sunday. We're having a welcome back uh, coffee and donuts, um, kind of specially for college students next Sunday, so we hope you'll come back and get some donuts, and actually, providentially, somebody thought that that was this Sunday, so we actually have donuts downstairs now, too, um, so you can get donuts this Sunday and next Sunday, um, but next Sunday, we'll have care packages as well, we just want to welcome you, and we're glad you're here. Um, we are continuing our um, study of the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So uh, let's read that together. Uh, as we uh, look at God's Word, let's um, dedicate ourselves to being transformed by it. Let's read together. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this incredible sermon that you delivered um, and for the ways in which through it you um, call to us uh, and describe a vision, a picture of what life in your kingdom looks like. Lord, we pray that as we encounter you, that, Lord, we would be moving towards that vision, that, Lord, we would be transformed, that we would start more and more to look like you and to reflect you to a watching world. And, Lord, we pray that this vision of your kingdom would be infectious and spread and that people who see us, Lord, would see you and want also to be like you. Lord, draw people to yourself uh, through our church. And Lord, help us um, to see the incredible value and beauty of what you're doing and to rejoice in it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we are continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're kind of getting towards the end. Um, you know that because at this point, Jesus is asking for donations. <laughs> you're supposed to laugh at that. Some of you did, thank you. Um, oftentimes that's how uh, we approach this passage, though, that this is the passage, the foundational passage for, you know, asking for money. Um, what I hope to show you today is that Jesus is asking for a donation, um, but the primary donation he's asking for is not primarily a donation asking for money. What he's looking to get at is your heart. Um, he's calling for people's hearts. Now, money indicates where our heart is, and he's going to talk about that, but but really, he's going after us. He wants all of us, not just some of us, but our hearts, the whole of who we are. You know, my kids, um, they're into these things. They're like, you buy them, and they're like, uh, 
little rocks or something. They're, they're fake rocks. They're not real. Um, somebody has like plastered a toy um, inside of this kind of rock-like plaster thing. And you, you buy it, and it comes with a hammer and a little chisel, and right, you, you start kind of chiseling away at it, and, you know, and then eventually inside you discover a fossil, dinosaur, a toy, something, right? It's something exciting. And my kids love this. I don't really like it. Um, <laughs> mostly because as they're chiseling away, usually, you know, they're banging the hammer into something, you know, destroying it or getting the powder of this plaster all over my house, um, right? Uh, but essentially, this is a great picture of what Jesus is doing in this passage. He is essentially trying to chisel away the plaster that is collected on our cold hearts. He's trying to get at us. He's essentially on a treasure hunt, and what he wants is our hearts. And he's coming at it through three different angles, right? That's something that I've learned as I've watched my kids. They can't just kind of bang at one side of this. They've got to really kind of go all the way around it. And, and so he's got really three metaphors that he is attacking the, the shell on our heart with. Um, three different metaphors. The first is in verse 19 through 20, uh, and he's talking essentially about investment, an investment metaphor, treasures. He's talking about treasures. And he's asking this question, um, or inviting us to ask this question, where are you invested? Where is your treasure, right? So that's one metaphor. And then in uh, verses 22 through 23, there's a sight metaphor. Um, he's essentially asking the question of, are you blind? <laughs> um, uh, and, and this, of course, is they're all related, these metaphors, because, uh, of course, to invest, you have to be able to see clearly, right? And then the last metaphor is in verse 24. It's a servant metaphor. He's essentially asking, who is your master? Who is your Lord? Um, so a, a treasure or investment metaphor, a sight metaphor, and a master service metaphor. Okay, so we're going to look at those three things. That's our outline for this morning, real simple. Um, and hopefully through that, uh, Christ, as he did with the original hearers of this sermon, will be chiseling away at your heart. Um, he's coming for you. You're his treasure. Okay, so we're going to begin with treasures, investment metaphor, 19 through 20. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so very simply, this is pretty clear. Jesus is inviting a comparison between what we would maybe call depreciating investments and appreciating investments. And he's looking at it at a cosmic scale, right? He's essentially saying, like, earthly material investments, they're going to fade. They're going to go away. Rust, moth, thieves can take them. They're not very secure, and, and eventually they will, because they're part of the curse as a result of the fall, they will disappear. They're kind of like mirages, right? They're things that are very close, that seem very appealing, but when you kind of go to reach for them, um, you might get them for a little while, but they're, they're eventually going to fade away. Um, they're visible and they're proximate. Um, they're, very, uh, they're very near, and that's, that's true of physical things, isn't it? Like, don't we find that these visible, proximate, material things, these things that we can touch, they're easy uh, to want to invest in. Um, they're easy to want to invest in. You know, um, 
Another thing that drives me crazy that my kids like that I don't really like is uh, when we go to the state fair, there's all these guys, right, that are set up with booths and microphones, and they're crying out, essentially, come play a game. <laughs> I don't really like the games at the fair. Uh, kids always want to play them. They're like, oh, come on, Dad. It's only $10. <laughs> and we might win this $2 toy that is not manufactured well and will probably fall apart in five minutes on the ride home. But it'll be exciting. Let's spend our $10 and throw darts at balloons or have some random person guess our age, um, right? Whatever the game is, it's, it's always rigged <laughs> in some way, and the prizes are never really all that appealing. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do is when, you know, that kind of happens, like when we get to the fair, they're like, oh, I want this. I'm like, let me just look up and see what this actual prize costs on Amazon. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> it's less than the price of the game, <laughs> right? And you usually have to play three times in order to win the actual, like, big prize, right? There's, there's this kind of bait and switch kind of dynamic to it. Essentially, that's a picture of us, and, and Jesus is calling our attention to that. Like, hey, you are drawn to these bait-and-switch kind of like less-than-valuable kinds of things. It's not that they have no value, right? And I do want to be clear. Jesus isn't saying that you should never buy clothes or never buy a house or, you know, never buy a car or anything like that. Um, but he's simply saying that if that is where you are putting your storehouse, your hope, your security, your identity then you're investing in the wrong thing, right? Because if you compare that to heavenly treasures, things that are of infinite and eternal worth, they're just not a comparison. You know, um, uh, several years ago, my wife and I, we lived downtown. We started thinking about what happens if somebody breaks into our house? Like, what are the things that they could take that we would absolutely feel like we couldn't live without? And you know... Um, we started kind of like taking an inventory of all the stuff we had, and we were kind of like, yeah, we could live without that, and we could do without that. You know, this, we could, you know, that can go. They can take the TV. I'm definitely not going to, you know, come downstairs and fight somebody for, you know, my computer or, you know, whatever, right? We can replace those things, and we're just not worried about it. But the one thing that we just really would be upset if they were stolen is we had these external drives that had pictures of our entire life, right? All of our kids being born, all of the little videos that I like to make, I'd be like, that would be kind of irreplaceable. So you know what we did? We backed them up in the cloud, <laughs> right? That's what Jesus is saying, <laughs> right? Like, don't invest in physical external drives that can burn up in a fire or be stolen. Back it up in the cloud. Now, that is an imperfect metaphor, and I'm aware that, yes, it is possible, I said, you know, eventually the cloud itself will go away, right? Um, but what, what Jesus is saying, he's calling our attention to something that is more secure, right? Like, if you're going to put your valuables, if you're going to put your investment in something, invest in something that is far greater than something that, you know, will fade away, a mirage, um, you know, Jesus is ultimately, in talking about heavenly treasures, he's talking about himself. In Matthew 13, right, he talks about a pearl of great price. There's this, this uh, you know, parable 
that he issues where he talks about the kingdom of God being this pearl of great price. And ultimately, he is referred to as the pearl of great price, Jesus himself, right? He's, he's essentially pointing to the fact that, you know, all of the things in earth, all of these material possessions, they can go. Um, but look at me. I'm totally secure. I'm incredibly valuable. I'll last forever. I'm offering you the chance to place your investment in me. And isn't that a better thing? Isn't that far better than all of the little baubles and trinkets that, that occupy our kind of like hearts and minds on a regular basis? Like if you think about the value of an eternal loving Savior who offered himself entirely for you, this is something that you want to invest in. Now, there's something incredibly profound about this passage. Jesus goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is, if there's nothing else in this sermon that you hear, I want you to hear this part. Jesus is essentially pointing us to the fact that in the grand scheme of investment, we have one thing that is of value intrinsic value. You know, money doesn't usually have a lot of intrinsic value. You think about, like, the dollar bill. Um, it's a piece of paper with a lot of fraud stuff on it, so maybe it is a little bit more expensive than I'm thinking. But, you know, foundationally, like, money is something that we have given value to. It doesn't have, typically, intrinsic value. It used to. It used to be gold or, like, you know, really nice seashells or something back in the day. Um, but over time, we've moved it towards kind of like something that we have placed value on that doesn't have intrinsic value. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, like, if you're talking about investment in the cosmic economy, you have one thing, one thing that you can invest that's incredibly valuable, and it's your soul, your heart, right? You, because you are made in the image of God. God has placed in you incredible, intrinsic, cosmic value. And here's the thing. Jesus is pointing us to the fact that we're not really doing a great job of investing <laughs> our soul, right? You think about it for just a minute. Like the, the things that we sell our souls for, right? The things that we invest in. You know, I think everybody in this room, we would say, not, maybe not everybody, but most of us, we would say, hey, our hearts are, are spoken for. We've sold out for Jesus. He's gotten all of us, <laughs> right? That's, that's where, where our investment is. And I'm sure on some level that's true. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, really take a close look at that. Like, have you really invested your heart in heavenly treasures? Have you really invested your heart in me? And he says, you know, if you're going to do that, actually, if you're really going to invest your heart and your soul in me, you need to look at where it, where that kind of resource lies, where your kind of capital is resting, right? You know, um, when you think about investments, you know, I, I did, I tried day trading for a little while. That didn't go well. <laughs> um, 
Day trading is not something I would recommend personally. Maybe some of you do it and maybe you're more successful than me. Um, but a lot of what day trading is, is you're just kind of like looking at you know, what it was for me is different things that I didn't know what their value was and just kind of taking a roll of the dice and moving my capital from one to the other and hoping that the things went up. I did the same thing with Bitcoin. Let me tell you, that didn't work out. <clears throat> Bitcoin was just up and up and up and up and then I invested and it went down. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jesus is essentially saying, like, look, you need to figure out where your capital is, really. If you're going to say that you're investing in heavenly treasures, you're going to take advantage of the heavenly opportunity of investment that I'm offering you. You need to start by going on a hunt for your heart. You need to figure out where it is. And, you know, there was a movie um, called All the President's Men. You remember? Some of you may remember that. Some of you may have watched it later. It's an old movie. I think it was in the 70s that it came out. But essentially a movie about the Watergate scandal. And there was uh, this, I guess, an associate director of the FBI who was feeding these reporters kind of facts about the Watergate scandal. Um, and he wasn't kind of giving them a lot of details, but he was kind of steering them in the right direction, trying to help them uncover essentially what was the, you know, the crime, the scandal. And in the movie, one of the conversations that he has with the, the reporters is he says, look, I'm going to try and help you out. I'm going to point you out, but I'm not going to tell you exactly everything. But, but listen to me. All you have to do is follow the money. Follow the money, and it will reveal everything. There's a sense in which there is a scandal that has taken place. Our hearts have been claimed by things that it were never meant for. And it, it now resides, kind of invested in all these different places, that it shouldn't be. If you want to figure out where that is, do a budget. Have a look at the budget. See where your money is going. Think about where is it easy for me to spend money, where is it hard for me to spend money? And then evaluate that. Like, am I really sold out for Jesus? Or am I sold out for a new car? Or a house? Or some other material thing? Right? Follow the money. Because if you follow the money, what you're going to find is not only where your like, heart is, where you, the things that you want, you're also going to find, essentially, who your God really is. Right? Follow the money. Go on a hunt for your heart. That's the first step in kind of investing, essentially, this intrinsic gift that God has given you in a way that it actually have a return on your investment. You've got to figure out where, where it is now. Second thing that Jesus is inviting you to do in kind of pointing this out is he's inviting you to go on a treasure hunt. First go on a heart hunt, then go on a treasure hunt. My kids love treasure hunts. I am like the king of making treasure hunts. Maybe. I, I really enjoy making them. Like I have, I have hidden clues in giant ice cubes that they've had to melt down in order to find you know, the next clue. Like, I go to the bank and get a bunch of, like, gold dollar coins and put them in a chest and bury them, like, five feet under, <laughs> right? Like, I make my kids go through all kinds of things in order to, to and, and they're so excited about that, that treasure. I want that treasure to look like treasure, right? Because, like, a treasure hunt's no fun if the treasure's just fake. But if it's real treasure, that's exciting. That's what Jesus is inviting you to do. Right? In this passage, he's saying where your heart is, there your treasure is. Find your heart, reclaim it, and then go on a treasure hunt. Start digging. Start looking. 
Start trying to see. Start trying to find. The women who were just up here were talking about a treasure hunt that they were going on. They're talking about Jesus essentially inviting them to enter into the process of searching him out. Because essentially what Jesus is saying is this heavenly treasure is so valuable that you'll never really fully understand how valuable it is. Like you'll never find all of it. Just keep digging. Just keep going. You'll, you'll eventually be overwhelmed with the beauty and the majesty of what it is. And for those of you who've been Christians for a while, you've seen this. But oftentimes we stop digging, don't we? We just kind of give up. We think, maybe I've seen enough of Jesus for now. I need to work on the square footage of my house. <laughs> I'm speaking from personal experience. <laughs> I'm not coming after anybody except for me, right? This is what we do. We often get distracted and from the, the real hunt. So Christ is he's offering us an investment and giving us something that our heart actually longs for and deserves. And what's interesting is he's offering us to go on a treasure hunt even as he's on a treasure hunt for our hearts. Do you see? There's, there's, there's this aspect of this that is just it's a love relationship, right? Our hearts were designed for this treasure just as our hearts, he was designed for our hearts, if that makes sense. We were designed for a relationship with one another. Okay, so that's the first metaphor. Related metaphor is in 22 through 23. Uh, this is the eyes and um, the light. Listen to this, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you in darkness, how great is the darkness? Isn't that just so clear? <laughs> I'm not really sure that's, that's incredibly clear to us, like what he's saying, but let me see if I can unpack it. Essentially what he's saying is like you walk into a room and the room's full of light. If your eyes are clear, right, open, then you see all the light and your body's full of light. You're aware of the fact that you are in a lighted room, right? It's clear. It comes in. Your brain processes the light, right? So your light, the light is let into your body. If there's something in your eyes um, to the point where you're not able to let in the light, you could be in a room full of light and not realize it. Your body would still be in darkness, even though technically it's surrounded by light. So what Jesus is saying essentially is, you're blind, <laughs> right? The problem is the reason that you invest in such terrible investments is because you can't see. What you see is the mirage that's right in front of you that's totally blocking the ability to see anything beyond it, right? You think about an eclipse, like the moon's smaller, right, than the sun, but it's closer. And so when it covers over the sun, you can't really see behind it, Essentially, that's what he's saying is going on with worldly pleasures and worldly investments, that they're closer and they're more kind of tangible. And so essentially, they cover over. They're in our eyes. They block our vision. We're unable to see. We're blind, right? That is a, he's explaining kind of the situation that is our, um, our existence. Now, I just want to say, Americans... We have a pretty big moon. There's a lot of material possessions that exist at our fingertips. Like, the wealth of America is incredible. When you compare it to the rest of the world, 
Our median income, like I think we're in the top like 1%, our median income, not our most wealthy. So what that means is, essentially, we have a lot of stuff that is right in front of us that we have trouble kind of like looking around to see Jesus. Have you ever noticed? Like, have you ever been with like people who are not well off as they have worshiped Christ? Is it more or less like filled with joy? Do you get a sense that maybe they see a little bit more of Jesus or less of him? Why is that? It's because there's stuff in our eyes. The other thing that he's saying, essentially, with this analogy, uh, I love this, uh, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He's essentially saying, like, okay, so you're blind, uh, but you don't know it. <laughs> you think the darkness that's in you is light, right? So if the light that is in you is darkness, you're calling darkness light. Essentially, you have a tendency to double down on the darkness that is in your life and claim that it's light. Here's how that works, right? We get a taste of something good, like a house. And again, there's nothing wrong. Own a house, please. Um, right? Jesus isn't saying don't do that. Right? But we get a house, and then, you know, immediately after you buy a house, what do you notice about the house? I'm going to Home Depot all the time. There is something rusting and moths are destroying this thing, right? Thieves are threatening to break in. I got to get blink cameras to protect my cars in the driveway, right? Like there's, there's all kinds of problems with home ownership that come with it, right? It's just immediately like, this did not solve all of my problems, right? And then, then you're kind of like, okay, I've had five children. We need more square footage. Let's do an addition. And then you realize, wow, we need another addition because this addition isn't big enough for five children. Like, we need to add some more, and that will, you know, hopefully fulfill all the longings of our hearts and make us comfortable, right? <laughs> like, we double down on the darkness. We keep investing in the darkness because we think, hopefully, like, what will happen is if we, we get enough darkness, maybe we'll be able to make some light. I love that noise. It's not distracting at all. <laughs> we need to double down and get a new... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? Like, but that's, that's the thing. All of this stuff that is in our eyes, all of the things that are right before us, all these earthly treasures, none of them satisfy. Why is that? Because our heart was made for a heavenly investment. It wasn't made for an earthly investment. There is nothing that this world can give us that ultimately will satisfy. There's only one thing, and that's Christ. And that's what he offers us. But here's the thing. We have a tough time seeing it, especially in this country, because there is a deceiver out there who loves to play the shell game. It's almost like a fair game, right? Satan, <laughs> he loves to convince us that the darkness will produce light. Just hang in there. Just invest another $5. Double down. It'll be okay. You think about the story of him. He shows up in the garden, Satan, right? And what does he say? He says, hey, just take this fruit. You'll be like God right? He's offering this promise that isn't real, right? It's not really the valuable thing that he pretends it is. And he's saying, I've got these shells, right? Put your heart in here. Now watch. And while he's distracting you, 
He drops the heart out of one of them, and he says, now pick, which one is it? If you pick the right one, you'll get, you'll get double your soul, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you pick one, and it's not in there. He's like, oh, so sorry about that. Would you like to play again, double or nothing, <laughs> right? And so we try again, and that is the game that he wants us to play, this, this deception, this, this sense of essentially like, if we can just get enough darkness, it'll make it light. We double down on it because we're blind. Here's what Christ is doing in this passage. He's saying in the kingdom, we're outlawing these kinds of scams. We're not going to allow this kind of deception. I'm actually going to allow you to see. I'm going to remove the obstacles from your eyes. Think about the number of times Jesus healed blind people. And he called us to see. He wanted us to see him. He wanted us to see the incredible value of who he is. If we just look at him, that's all it takes. One glance, right? And all of the stuff that we are so invested in suddenly looks like garbage because that's what it is. You see? He's saying, no more scams. We're outlawing that. We're going to remove the stuff from your eye. We're going to allow you to compare apples to apples, light and darkness. Which would you prefer? <laughs> right? And he gives you that by showing him himself. You know, the rest of the Gospel of Matthew reveals who Jesus is. You're invited in the Gospels to look beyond all the garbage that Satan wants to convince you to look at. And by the way, the bombardment of kind of that invitation from the devil comes fast and often in this country. Americans, on average, see four to 10,000 ads every day. It's a Sunday, so you'll probably be about 5,000 today. 5,000 invitations from the devil, right, that essentially all you need is this new perfume and all of your problems will be solved. Or this new car, right? I mean, Teslas are nice. No more gas? Have you seen prices? Solve all your problems, right? Whatever it is, the ads come fast and furious. They come from the devil. Step right up. Put your heart in. Let's play. Jesus wants you to instead spend some time looking at him. Just gaze at him. It's not like this is hard. Just look at the beauty of what his offer is. It's incredible. That's what we do when we come into worship. And it's what we do when we get together and we study his word. It's what we do when we rub shoulders with each other and we rejoice and worship side by side. This morning at the 9 o'clock service, we were singing... Um, uh, mighty fortress is our God, and, and I checked something off a bucket list that I didn't even know I, have, I had. There was a thunderstorm outside. You have not sung a mighty fortress is our God until you've sung it with a thunderstorm. <laughs> There's just this sense in which the mighty fortress of our God is just exclamated by a... <laughs> right? This is the sort of thing that we should do. Just let's pause for a moment and look at the beauty of who Christ is and the wonder of the gifts that he gives us and how incredible valuable he is compared to the things that we are often bombarded with. Okay, last point, let's look at the final uh, metaphor, again related, and it's the metaphor of masters. Um, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Okay, the word wealth here, often in different translations, translated like mammon, right? Or, uh, or money. Um, Jesus is here personifying 
money or wealth, uh, this, this thing that, again, we, we talked about it. If you follow it, if you follow the money, what does it ultimately reveal? Um, who your gods really are. And so, you know, for different people, there's different, different things that money or wealth would kind of like lead you to. Um, but he's personifying it and saying, essentially, there's two masters. There's all the false gods <laughs> that money kind of points to, right? And then there's the God, right? And you can't serve both of them because you only have one soul, right? You can't serve money and God. You can't kind of chase after these false idols and um, serve God. And, and you notice the word serve there. I think the best way for us to come at this um, kind of metaphor is to think about a job, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, you've been invited, right, to masters. Um, they're going to give you a job, right? So uh, college students, imagine, those of you who just started, you just got here, congratulations, you've just graduated, and now you've got a couple of job offers. I want to describe the two job offers that essentially Jesus is inviting us to compare, right? The one is the mammon or money, and the other is God. Here's the first one. Here's your, your full-time job offer. It's a full-time job. It's going to take all, the, all your time, right? You're going to, can't work for another company. You've you got to work for this one, right? But we're going to give you everything. We're going to give you so much money if you work here. You have no idea. The wealth and the just wonders of things that you'll be able to buy. Come work for us. Come work for us. <coughs> It's all about the bottom line at our company, right? It's what you make. And, and, and we're not going to give you anything. We're going to make you earn everything. Coffee is for closers. You need to always be selling, right? You take this job, you work hard, you're going to get lots of money, but it's lots of opportunity, but you've got to work, right? We want workers. And we're going to work you hard. We're not like those other companies that give you lots of time off. We're all in here. We're really committed to the product that we're making and the thing that we want to get, which really is money. And here's the thing. There's no benefits, no retirement, um, but you're really going to benefit from this employment because you're going to get all of this wealth. Now, here's the truth about that company. Ultimately, it's going to deliver on none of its promises. You're going to spend all your time working. You're going to work and work and work. And when you're done, all that money that you earned, you'll never get a chance to spend it because there's no time off and you can't take it with you. There are jobs like that out there, ladies and gentlemen. Real jobs. In fact, most jobs have some element of that. Here's another job offer. How's this one sound? Hey, we're really excited that you want to work with us. We're all about relationship building here. And we're going to accomplish good and beautiful things. If we don't make money, that's really okay. We're just really about the product that we're making. And listen, we really value your investment and involvement. Um, we're literally willing to sacrifice everything in order to get you on the team. Like, what, 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 what can we do? And, and once you get here, I want you to know it's not going to be really work all the time. We have kind of a light and easy uh, workload. Uh, we're not going to take it too hard because we're really about work-life balance. In fact, we're going to demand that you take some time off from time to time because um, you need the rest, and uh, we really value you. And, and we really want you to take risks. It's okay if you mess up. We'll cover for you. 
We want you to go out there and, and, and just explore and, and see what, what can be done, something beautiful. And, and, and you know what? We've got incredible benefits. Um, we're going to take good care of you and your family. Um, and we're going to ultimately deliver on everything we promise. And, and here's what we promise. One day you're going to be a partner. Not just a partner. We're going to adopt you into the family that owns this business. You're going to be a part of the ownership. Like, totally forever. <laughs> right? Those are the two masters Christ is inviting us to compare. Him, right, who gave up everything for us, who gives us everything, and who invites us into incredibly valuable work, and money, which promises us everything but doesn't really deliver any of it. There's a couple of points of application, you know, for this that I want you to think about. My wife, I was telling her about this, and she said, you know, this is great and all, but, you know, how does this apply to me. I get it. Like, you know, we all work for Jesus, but are you saying that we all need to be pastors? <laughs> My wife works for GlaxoSmithKline. She's an internal auditor. I, I'm a pastor, in case you didn't pick that up. And, and here's the thing. No matter what you do, Christ is inviting you to see your ultimate employment as in him, right? So he's not saying you have to be a pastor, my wife is called to be an internal auditor at GlaxoSmithKline because Christ has determined that somebody needs to make sure that people sell drugs ethically in this country. And that's what she does, to the glory of God. And she's great at it. We're all called to some sort of intrinsically valuable work, right? Some sort of work that reflects some sort of heavenly treasure, that reflects ultimately Christ, our great master, <coughs> who has invited us into the family business. We're part of the royal family that runs this world. And what is our business? Redemption. Redemption. We're invited into incredibly important work. And, and you know what? There's a position for everybody. There's all kinds of roles. Almost every kind of employment has some sort of uh, function in this company. So whatever you're doing, you're called to do it for the glory of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing that is working to redeem in some way, shape, or form this fallen and broken world. You know that Martin Luther, who wrote A Mighty Fortress is Our God and who was converted in a thunderstorm, by the way, um, you know, he said that if the God of the universe has called you to be a farmer, why would you stoop to be a pastor? Every single one of us are invited into this employment and yeah, you, you might make some money. That doesn't mean you're serving money, right? That money has its right place underneath you, the royal, royal family member who is running the business. It is not the boss. Jesus is the boss, right? And, and just practically speaking, that frees you up in so many ways. Think about that. You're never going to get fired. You can't lose your job. Right? Your boss loves you too much. He's not going to let you go. Right? You're too valuable. He gave his life for you. You're never going to lose your job. You might lose your job, <laughs> but you're never going to lose your job. Know what I mean? You're also like free to quit your job. <laughs> if you start to find that 
essentially your employment is starting to look more like that first employer and less like the second, that's starting to treat you with less and less dignity or other people with less and less dignity or produce a product that is somehow damaging and not a part of the redemptive work of, of God, you can say, take this job and shove it. I work for somebody else. And you know what? You, you don't have to worry about money. You're part of the family where the, the boss has the cattle on a thousand hills. You're never going to go wanting. This moves right into a do not worry passage, <laughs> right after this. You don't have to worry. He's got your back. There's a lot of investment in this. You, you're, you're vested, <laughs> right, in that, in, that, in that job. So you can, you can take a financial hit. It's okay, right? You're investing in heavenly treasures. You're investing in Christ and his work. Do you see? Do you see how understanding your master who that is, like reveals more of the value of who Jesus is and makes your heart long to be with him. So all three of these things really do that, right? Jesus gives us sight. He gives us purpose. He gives us treasure. You know, I think about, um, I think about the, uh, yeah, you guys are going to roll your eyes, but I think about Lord of the Rings, right? King Theoden of Rohan, you know the scene? He's this old blind man. Worm tongue is whispering in his ear, right? Essentially, the servant has become the king. His eyes are blind. He feels helpless, useless, purposeless, right? It, he feels like a poor, um, almost dead person. And then Gandalf shows up, and he starts calling him to more. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. You have greater treasure. You can see. Look. You have purpose. In the movie, you watch this guy's face as it just comes to life. That is what Jesus is wanting to do with our hearts, to break off all the crust and to bring us back to life, ultimately, by inviting us to invest in him and to be one with him. CTK, that's my prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you break through the crust of our hearts? Would you give us living and active, um, beating hearts that long uh, to live life the way that you've called us to? Would you fill us with visions of the treasure that you have already given us in you? Would you, would you give us joy for the hunt of it? Lord, may we engage fully as, as treasure hunters who want to plumb the depths of who you are. And Lord, would you give us clear eyes to see past the, the devil's schemes and the trappings of this world. Lord, as we turn our eyes on you, would the things of earth grow strangely dim in the overwhelming light of your goodness and grace. And finally, Lord, would you fill us with purpose and direction. Lord, remind us of our heavenly calling and our role as uh, kings alongside of you and queens. Lord, use us in your redemptive purposes. And may we live lives of adventure and excitement. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.